When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you very much for downloading the Manchester Football Social podcast. We have Steve McInerney, as always, on a Monday. we got Statman Dave, who... Was a little bit earlier than last week, but still managed to turn up late. Busy <laughs> <laughs> life these days, Jim. Yeah, which you'll hear in a minute. And of course, our special guest, Quinton Fortune, who's on the show. Hello, Quinton. We're going to talk more to those guys in a minute. But first, enjoy the show and make sure you've subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. We'll see you the other side of this. Manchester Football Social. Welcome to the Manchester Football Social. This is your chance to have your say on your footballing team, be it red or blue. We aren't anything without your voice. So make sure you get involved. Give us a bell. Talk about what you want to talk about tonight. 0345 7625. That's the phone number. The text number, if you want to get involved, is 87711. It was another vast when it came to video refereeing this weekend. Ole lost his grip on the wheel and got torn to bits by a pack of wolves and Pep's Blue Army marched a little bit closer to that mythical quadruple with a little help from VAR. Or should that be a lack of VAR at the Liberty Stadium? Covering all that and a loads more, we've got Man City man Steve McInerney. Evening, Steve. Hello, Jim. You all right? Very well, thank you. And for the Red Arthur Manchester, a very special treat today. We've got Manchester United former hero Quinton Fortune in the studio. Evening, Quinton. Good evening, guys. Thank you very much for coming in. We've also hopefully got Statman Dave joining us a little bit later, but he seems to be struggling with timetables. I prefer Quinton. Quinton. I think Quinton's got slightly more credibility, actually. I think we've we've got an upgrade here. We're going to be doing a little game later as well um, called... uh, This is one of the worst puns I think I've ever come up with in my radio career. Quinton time. Like, question time so if you want to get your questions in to Quinton Fortune you can ask him about anything about his career about Manchester United about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer you can get him in via the text now 87711 is the text number or you can get us on Twitter at MCR Footy Social we're going to get into VAR a little bit later because I was a big advocate of VAR when it was first introduced and when the idea was first proposed that we were going to have this video refereeing introduced into football Yeah. after the weekend I'm slowly going off it a little bit and I think it's 
it's becoming less and less clear what the future of VAR will be. So we will talk about that a little bit later. I'd love to get your thoughts in on that as well. But first, let's talk about the weekend's actions. And because you're the special guest, Quinton, we should talk about Manchester United first. It was a disappointing result to be out of the FA Cup, wasn't it? It was a painful one. Um, confused while I was watching the game because I'm thinking we've done so well in the Champions League. Um, all the confidence behind us. And then we're going to lose against Wolves. Um, yeah, I'm, I only think it's probably tired legs, but it wasn't the best performance. And when you think about it, since Ole's coming, I think this is probably second loss since he's been in charge. No, so yeah. it's not I a think, bad run. Yeah. I, mean, I think he obviously lost to PSG, but that didn't count in the end, did it? Because yeah. of the Champions League. So I think it's his third overall, but mm. second important loss, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah. Does that mean, I mean... Saying, whoa, 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 whoa. the fan. He <laughs> <laughs> just had to rub it in like, you know, third loss, you know. He's got all the stats when he comes yeah, to I'm just pointing out, you know, you do what you want for that information. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first thing that ever gets said with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer losing another game, I mean, it's like 14 wins in 19, which yeah. isn't a bad record yeah, by any stage, yeah. imagination. But the instant thing people say is, that's it. It's the end of the honeymoon period. The new manager bounces yeah. over. Is that the case or is there still plenty more to come? I think there's plenty more to come. Ali's done a fantastic job since he's arrived. You can see uh, the difference in the players. I've been able to go down to the training ground, Aon Training Centre, and the place is just is buzzing. Uh, some amazing good energy around there. And um, we can see the performance of the players. Uh, if you speak to people at the Aon Training Centre, they will tell you since Ali's arrived, it's been unbelievable. It's almost mm. like being when the boss was still there, winning Sir Alex. So, the um, boss, still calling boss. him the boss. <laughs> yeah. I love that. He might be listening. I'm not <laughs> anything else. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, but Ali's done a great job. So it just, I, I want him to continue. And I'm sure that the team will, the next game, I think, is um, we play at home against Watford. Yeah. And I'm 100% sure you'll see a different Manchester United uh, performance. So the easy accusation for people like us fans to make, and you might be able to put a different spin on this as an ex player, is that these. I mean, it comes hot on the heels of the Arsenal result, which was a disappointing result, mm. this result at the weekend against Wolves. And the easy accusation is that we go, well, that's it. Solskjaer's had his 19 games. The opposition are beginning to work out what he can do. Is there yeah. any truth in that or is it just a blip? I mean, Solskjaer called it the worst performance he's seen since he's been at the club. Is it just a blip or is it something, is there an element in the opposition are starting to go, hang on, well, this is the way they play? No, I think it's just a blip. I think it's um, everything was going so well. So you can have these um, uh, moments where the team don't play well and things are going in your way. But when you look at the the difference Ole's done since the Liverpool game, I remember losing at Anfield and the reaction after one week mm. uh, playing against Cardiff. It, it was unbelievable. If someone can do that in one week, it's, for me, it's, it's amazing. And um, no, I think it's just a blip. I think this is normal. This is... It's going to happen to the team sometimes. You're going to have to see uh, his characters in the team. And it's it's learning for Ali as well. You, you need to find out who's his real players uh, when things get difficult. So now it's it's important week for United. Um, well, obviously not the international week, but when they come back, how do we act? And um, knowing Ole, the type of player he was and yeah. the person he was, he will not allow the next game to slip. He will he will make sure he prepared them well, as much as possible and make sure we win the next game. We've got Statman Dave who's sitting next to you nodding along with everything you're exactly. saying. Exactly, I'm agreeing with everything. Get your opinion in a minute, Dave. But before we do, as a player, Quinton, if you're in that situation where you've had two losses, disappointing games, you've got the international break next, 
Is that good to have that two-week period so you can sit back and readdress the situation and go, right, this is how we move things forward? Or do you want to get straight back out there and try to put right what went wrong previously? First of all, we, I, no disrespect, I wouldn't, I don't think we've lost two in a row when I was playing. And <laughs> in the words, levels. And, and then there would have been, I can honestly tell you, there would have been a fight after the game, every day yeah. in training until we win. It Two was words? Okay. It was that. Mr. Roy Keane, by any chance? <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, but that was that was intensity in, in, at that time. It was unbelievable. And, and, and the boss wouldn't allow it. The plays wouldn't allow it. The standard was so high. So I can't see, yeah, that I can't remember any time losing two games in a row, but the, the intensity and, and the desire to win the next game. Mm. So in terms of getting away into national break, no, you don't want that. You want to get straight back on the pitch and make sure you put it right. Dave, the disappointing aspect <laughs> for me yeah. at the weekend, watching that Manchester United performance, and as we've said, it is kind of a one-off. It does feel like a blip at the moment, but there was a bit of a lack of creativity but in that team got, with plenty of creative players on that pitch. you got to credit also, no? They defended really well. Like They're a team that's set up to break, and they did that well against United. They stopped United through the middle. I agree with that. Maybe that's something that they can work on in terms of the interplay. Maybe the system's slightly wrong with Lingard through the middle, but I still think they... they They've got enough for it, you know, to keep this run going. I think Watford is a massive game. I agree um, with what Quinton's saying, but it, it's just—I think it's just a blip on, you know, a journey. You're not going to win every game. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. The record at the start was so incredible. You know, what was it? Nine away in a row. It was unbelievable. Like, you yeah. know, you don't get that often in European football, let alone in the Premier League and around that. So, I think we've got to give Wolves credit. Like the first time that Wembley in a long time, and they're a good side. I think Jota, Jimenez, you're looking at the, the midfield as well. Jao Moutinho, what a performance that was. You know, a player that signed for five mil, why no one else went for him in mm. the summer? It's crazy. I think Everton were the only team that didn't go for him. But I think it's more that Wolves did well. United may have not been, you know, up to speed that day. You're thinking the likes of Martial, who's now injured and come back from the French squad. You're thinking the likes of Herrera, Matic, all coming back from injury. And this is a big game. Wolves so up for that, you know, in front of their fans at Molyneux. Maybe it was uh, one of those things where... They've just got to rest a few te- players, rotate, manage those injuries a bit better coming back into the Are squad. Are there enough good players in that current Man United squad to rest players, though? Yeah, and to rotate? Because you really look like you missed Lukaku at the weekend. But again, I like, never thought I'd say that two so months ago. Exactly, two months ago, the media's flipped on that. And that's the, the interesting side of, of football is that a guy that's, you know, the villain uh, two months ago that comes in, starts to come into form, nah, he's still not playing well, no, he's not playing mm. well. Now we look at Lukaku as a player that United need if you need that physicality up front. And I think that's the interesting side. Rashford played well through the middle, but I think with Lukaku's presence, especially against the back three, you could have done with him in there. Yeah. And I, I really agree with that because you can, you know, you could have crossed the ball into the box. Lukaku could have played a little more of a physical threat up against their centre halves. And I think that may be something that Rashford could look back and be like, okay, you know, maybe I should have ran the channels more because you know, there's those chances where Rashford hit the channels, was found, created some really good stuff. The goal he scored was wonderful. Mm. Like, we're not talking about that finish was unbelievable. Mm. Receiving it in the penalty area, turn, you put the ball in the back of that. Like, both of them are fantastic footballers. Same with Martial, you know, same with Lingard. But I think it's, it's just these things happen in football. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, City had a, nearly had one of those. But we did. Swansea. <laughs> the thing is, now I look at your next run of fixtures, like your five games after this, and. Um, and I agree that in general these things happen in football of course they do you know it happened to City a couple of months back and whatever and it'll happen again at some point I hope it doesn't happen before the end of the season but it will happen but this next run of fixtures you've got Watford at home Watford are a good team mm-hmm. then you've got Wolves again like and Wolves and Molyneux are a very dangerous beast and before you know it then you've got Barcelona West Ham and then Barcelona 
and without playing badly, you could have three defeats there in five games, you know, and that's without whoa, playing whoa, badly. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I say, well, <laughs> Barcelona favours both you, games. You need to explain how do you mean three defeats? You could do. I'm saying it without playing badly because they're just good games. They're could good have the three hard famous victories as well. And you could do the same, but it could all of a sudden have. No, you're talking about the wrong team. Yeah, you, <laughs> you must be in your city old days or something. <laughs> How well, can you just go and say you're United? You could be three defeats because you've got Barcelona twice the, uh, with so the best what? player in the world. Uh, so what? And I think in general the problem now with Solskjaer it was built on st- uh, energy. And I said this to you two three months ago that as soon as the uh, defeat happened. It would be very hard to maintain that enthusiasm because Solskjaer, and he seems a lovely guy, genuinely does, seems like he's yeah. got the players going. Um, he's very much, he's not brought in because of his incredible experience and his incredible like uh, depth of management. He's been brought in because he knows the club. Uh, and in general, sometimes players, when things start to go well, I can only presume, and you're talking, you know a lot more of me on this front, but sometimes I guess you need, maybe you need someone who's been there and done it, you know, like to trust. Okay. And as a manager, I don't know, Solskjaer, he seems like a great guy, but can you, hand and heart, trust him yet? Because has he done enough to be trusted? That's the question for you, actually. This is the side of it. PSG got beat last week, didn't they? United beat PSG. They come back from a a 2-0 deficit. Never happened in European (laughs) football before at home. And you're writing them off. This, this is the thing. I'm, oh, I'm, well, I'm confused because this is coming from a City <laughs> fan. So I'm like, whatever you're saying to me, I'm like, alarm bells are going off. No, I'm chilling him. The flashbacks. We got, we got Ole, who's, who's got 10 years of experience as a manager. Mick Phelan has a great move because he's brought yeah. Mick back. So Mike Carrick, you got there as well. You got Kieran. So you got a lot of experience there. So yes, I get to what you're saying in energy. Yeah, yeah. But when you look at the team, there's a lot of quality in there. I mean, you're a man who knows both these players, well, players and managers. Mm-hmm. What kind of atmosphere is that going to be in that dressing room at the moment? How is he going to handle... It's not... I mean, I want to say, how is he going to handle turning it around? But it feels almost ridiculous to say turning yeah. it around because there's nothing to turn around <laughs> at the moment. It's like a half turn. How is he going to yeah. get it back on course? Well, knowing Oli, um, he'll be having a few words with... He will, he'll say things that mm. need to be said to certain players because when I look at the Wolves game there's a few that didn't perform now of course some of them came back from injury and you put your hands up but mm. still Manchester United to uh, to lose a game is not it's not in our nature but these things happen but I can guarantee you the next game he will definitely get into them that they want you want to see a reaction mm. you want to see a fighting spirit that's Manchester United and um, yes we give Wolves credit they, credit they played well but yeah. um, no no the next game I I can guarantee you 100% you'll see a different Manchester United team. We're going to go to the phones. If you want to get involved, 0345 7625. That's 0345 7625. That's the phone number. Give us a bell. I'll talk about whatever you want, but Dylan's on the phone and he wants to talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being the Manchester United manager. No, Dylan, Stephen outlined there a nightmarish <laughs> scenario where you lose the next three games. If you lose those three games, is OGS still the man for you? Yeah, he is, absolutely. Um, mostly because if you look at where we were kind of just before Christmas and look at where where we are now, would we have been even thinking about playing Barcelona twice in a week? Probably not. We'd have probably crashed out last week to PSG. Um, it just, it's not just the way we're playing because we are playing significantly better than we were. It's the fact he seems to have instilled the United belief back into fans, the club, the players. Just everything seems so much, so much happier. It seems more like the United of old, which is obviously where we're striving to get back to. So, I think it'd be ridiculous to kind of 
to kind of discredit what Ali's done for a really tough run of fixtures going a little bit wrong for him. There does seem to be this weird bit of play from the media at the moment that seems to be almost playing down what he's done at the club and it's just the suggestion that he's got in there from people like uh, Paul Lintz who have said he's just gone in there and made everyone feel <laughs> sorry yeah, and that's he, he has no done. Paul Lintz <laughs> talking out of his backside <laughs> so what needs does anything Paul, need Paul Lintz would have scored yeah he'd have won 10 in his first nine months, you know what I mean Quentin I mean, would have got 10 wouldn't you 10 out of 10 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean the suggestion is that Ole's going to get the job during this international break, that it's all been decided, the contracts have been drawn up and it's all ready to go. Is that what needs to happen now? Is it a case of let's get it sorted, let's get the future of the club nailed down and move on and then plan for the future? Um, I, I don't know. For, for me, I think I, I think it could be done now, it could be done at the end of the season. I, I, I don't think it would make a huge amount of difference. I think the, the only thing that I'd probably be going for it, doing it now is it obviously instills that vote of confidence in Solskjaer. It kind of settles everyone. Mm. But at the same time, I think from what the players have been saying in the media, I think Matic came out, the, I think it was yesterday, said that he really he, he's like he's playing under Solskjaer and he, he, he thinks that he'll, he'll get it full time. I, I think the players are in the mindset that Oli will be there come the end of the season, come the start of next season. So I, I wouldn't mind holding off till the summer, to be honest. I'd... I'd I don't think that there's any huge positives, particularly for doing it now, because if the club's already decided that Oli will be the man, they've made that decision. It doesn't necessarily have to be aired publicly, I suppose. Top man. Cheers, Dylan. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate that. If you want to get involved, 0345 one seventy six twenty five is the number. Let's talk about Manchester City for a bit, because that wasn't quite as easy as you thought it might have been. Steve. No, um, it wasn't. And fair play to once again to Swansea, who uh, came at us. And I really like Graham Potter as a manager. He seems like a really good guy. Uh, his team, they're up for it. They played some good football, really incisive. Burr Santolina, as you'd expect from a young lad who used to play for a team, you know, who left Manchester City recently, he was really up for it, constantly running between uh, our midfield and defence. And because we didn't have Fernandino there, he essentially was really, really, really good there. Uh, I think Gundogan's been a bit of an experiment against teams who are willing to sit back. Uh, and it's been largely okay, but the first time any team actually wanted to go at us, uh, we had massive gaps, uh, basically in defence. But weirdly, I genuinely thought we were going to win it, even at half time when we were two 0 down, because City are the kind of team that when we score one these days, we usually we kind of score in bursts of goals. Like um, we just seem to be okay, like we get the first, and then within ten minutes we normally score the second or whatever. Uh, so we were creating chances in that first half as well so I wasn't too concerned there's some games where you don't play well and you don't create chances and you see, concede a few goals you think, I can't really see a way back but I thought we'd bring on Sterling and Aguero and, and score and it turns out we did so um, yeah Swansea were good uh, I guess as, as Quinton would probably say as well you've got to win when you're playing bad sometimes uh, and we found a way to win so I was really happy at the same time no VAR in that game was pretty crazy <laughs> taking the Aguero goal well, we voted he for is offside so- you think in the penalty pretty dodgy so yeah. without those two moments where in fact if VAR was there it would have been 2-1 Swansea and Pep said the same thing it should be there and I agree it should be because like they say it's because they're a championship club but they were Premier yeah, League, the Premier League. They've, got, they've got the facilities for it so why not you know? I want to put a pin in the VAR chat I want to come back onto that because <laughs> yes. it's such no, a I was just firing some shots across the room to the blue half of take it all and, take and it's it 100% true a ridiculous situation that we will be talking about in a little bit but that confidence at City that you talk about yeah. the fact that at 2-0 down you felt you were going to come back I checked the odds <laughs> on my betting on 20 minutes to go from the game or I think 25 minutes to go City were 2-0 down I checked the odds thought might be worth a cheeky five of this because I fancy a comeback City were still favourites at that point 
which is a ridiculous scenario for a football club. 2-0 down, 20 minutes to go, and your favourites to win a cup tie. Yeah, I guess it doesn't surprise me, really. Um, we had the players on the bench to make the changes, and I got a shout-out to Zinchenko as well. It must be weird for him now being the senior player, because he came on for Fabian Delph, who had a nightmare. <laughs> but now he seems to be actually elevated to that senior status, which is great for him. And then, you know, we got to bring on Ryan Sterling and Sergio Aguero. And, like, Swansea, as good as they played, and as soon as he scored the first, they'd sit back deep and fear the second because it inevitably come. And it, it did, yeah. Uh, and even though I don't think we played well, and we, we didn't really, we did quite quite a few chances, you know. Like, uh, and it, obviously, it, prob- it wasn't a penalty, probably. You know, it was soft. Uh, and it was offside. I still think that second goal... <laughs> Second goal, it would have come. We'll take him. The first goal, though, Bernardo Silva, you got to admire the technique on that finish. Absolutely beautiful, outside of the boot. Corazmaresque, actually. Um, really lovely goal. Uh, and we just keep marching on. Uh, and it's nice, because when we win 7-0, you know, and win 6-0, or whatever, and win these games... Uh, I actually quite like the odd game when we don't play well and we win because it shows that the players still have the focus to actually come out of these situations, you know, and get some from it. And it's easy to win six, seven nil sometimes, and you don't, you learn more about how they react from players, I guess. And like Schalke was too easy for us, and this wasn't. I'm quite glad that it wasn't. I think this gym brings on to another point with City's random draws this season in cup competitions in the Carabao <laughs> Cup. Manchester City drew Oxford United, Fulham, Leicester City, Burton Albion, then Chelsea in the FA Cup. City drew Rotherham at home, Burnley at home, Newport County, Swansea and Brighton. In the Champions League, they've drawn Leon, Shakhtar, Hoffenheim, Schalke and Tottenham. This is going to be one hell of a rubbish quadruple. Well, do you know, United, what's one of your greatest ever teams? Was it the Ronaldo team in 07 away, essentially? Yeah, I'd say that's pretty yeah, good. 99, right? Well, maybe the 99, well, but... The counter your point will be 99, way, then. The point of that team is well, that same year in the Champions League, you've got Roma, Dynamo, Kiev uh, and Leon. Uh, and Sporting Lisbon, then Roma again, and Leon. Essentially, pretty easy route. Very similar. What about the semi-final, route. though? Semi-final, but we're not at the semi-final Barcelona, yet. Barcelona, Yeah, correct. and Chelsea. But if we get to semi-final, we're probably getting Juventus. And then Ajax, a great probably. team. So, well, if that happens, then shame on Juventus. <laughs> um, in general. But then, if you get put to that point, you got knocked out by Coventry in the the League Cup that season. Yeah, but Michael uh, Misfidu that season was unbelievable in the, in the Carabao <laughs> but Cup. But the point is, no one looks at those games and thinks that was a relatively <laughs> run. They just see the team's success and the trophies and they appreciate the longevity. No, and I don't you're going to win the, exactly they do they're, I'll remember it don't worry well the, the lack of games <laughs> essentially what I'm trying to point is that every now and then great teams get lucky with a run you know and it mm. happens and it doesn't negate from how physically demanding it is it doesn't negate how much pressure is on these players and the performance that they have to put in week in week out at the moment if we're going to win the league we're going to have to win it by 10 plus points more than the team that won the United won the league in 07-08 anyway we'll have to because that was like 87 points we'll have to win it at least 95 so once again like there's more pressure and more hatred towards Manchester City than there was in like United team as well everyone wants us to fail everyone in the world so if we do this if we get two or three trophies I'll be delighted because of the circumstances because no one wants us to win and we're going to win a few and it's going to annoy so many people but at the Can't same, at the same time one last point last, the, the Real Madrid team that won the, the three Champions Leagues in a row the last time they won the Champions League they faced the Champions of France Champions of Italy um, Bayern Munich of course and Liverpool as well as having Tottenham Borussia Dortmund in their group well, so that's a real see. team to be fair Dave your lot had every all, all opportunity I'm saying is to make be a harder in the and how did they do in all the leagues that what happened the first season they won it after that they were terrible domestically so a cup team weren't they exactly pointless
Right, we're going to move on. We're going to talk when, about when VAR. When you play City, I'm looking forward to that game. <laughs> uh, the 24th of April, I've got yeah. it in the diary. Yeah. Yeah. Lockdown. Yeah. April. We're getting each other's in the... Yeah. It's sandwiched in between the 24 Tottenham <laughs> fixtures that City are facing between yeah, the yeah. end of the season. <laughs> right, we're going to talk about VAR in a second. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I think everyone is slowly losing their rag with it, so we'll get onto that discussion. Plus, we're going to be speaking to our very own footballing mystic Meg, Dan the Wolves fan, who successfully made an amazing prediction at the weekend. We're going to get him to do a few more predictions as well. It's coming up on the Manchester Football Social. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. This is the Manchester Football Social. It is your chance to have your say on your team. 0345 7625 is the number to call. If you want to get involved, you can text us on 87711. We've got Steve McInerney here. Hello. We've got Statman Dave here. Hello. And we're joined by Quinton Fortune today as well. Hello, Quinton. Hi, get your questions in for Quinton. We're going to be doing a little Q&A later. 87711. We're going to also talk about VAR in a second as well. But first, I want to chat to Dan the Wolves fan. Evening, Dan. Hi, guys. And you came on the show on Friday. You're from the Wolves fancast. You were giving a little bit of chat about the game at the weekend and you were ridiculed for your match prediction. Ridiculed. <laughs> <laughs> what was your match prediction, as if we can't guess, Dan? Uh, I went for a solid 2-1 Wolves win with no date whatsoever about it. Go on, Dan. And it came off, which is incredible. Well, I say it's incredible. I think this is part of Wolves' superpower this season is despite these results you're getting despite managing to beat City and pulling off the FA Cup win against United you're still being downplayed a little bit and people are kind of underestimating what you can do somewhat yeah that's that's a, you know there was like an older more stock ball, but much bigger than that guys we're huge. We're massive. We are. I told you on Friday, we're the Floyd Mayweather of football. We've been on the counter. We're effective, and we've got the money. And you're humble as well, by the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, we're on our way back. I mean, might be at the wheel, but who knows the resurrection? It, it's been an absolutely amazing season for you guys so far. Nuno's done a great job in the manager's position. The owners seem to want to invest in the club and are bringing in the right players. So I guess the big test this year is going to be whether you can pick up some silverware. And it looks, to all intensive purposes, to me, like it will probably end up being a Manchester City, I don't want to jinx anything, versus Wolves FA Cup final. If that's the case, can you repeat the victory earlier in the season? Against Man City? Yes. Did we beat Man City? It was a draw, yeah, it was a handball. I know I had a few to drink on Saturday, but I thought my memory completely gone now. <laughs> it felt yeah, like a victory. It's, it's, it's Man City's to lose, yeah, I understand that. I just, it's just Wolves two seasons ago, we were, you know, bottom half of the championship. I'm just enjoying the ride and see, see where it takes us. I would, I would, as a City fan, I would fear you guys in the final. Honestly, mm. it's good football. This kind of team, you played well yesterday every time you play against us, so I don't want to play you. I hope, I hope Watford somehow get past you because if you get past Brighton, obviously, but I don't want Camp Chickens there, but I really like it. Someone said on Twitter that if um, the Wolves players were wearing a Benfica or a Porto shirt, no one would have questioned that in terms of the quality yeah, of the team. Crazy, and I actually, and even obviously the Portuguese influence, I actually agree with that. The football, obviously Connor Cody at the back of the yeah, scouts, like, yeah. wouldn't fit really well in Benfica or I'd Porto. I'd like to see that. It'd be good. <laughs> As you're on, Dan, yeah, and- we are we are a solid team. Um, I think if you would have changed Man United midfield on Saturday, that probably would have been the difference. Martino is just another level above what okay. anything I've ever seen in a Wolf shirt. After your superb performance, <laughs> <laughs> after your superb performance and the predictions 
uh, on Friday, Dan. I just wanted to ask you a couple more footballing questions. Get your predictions going into the next few weeks. See what we can nail. So, who's your player of the season going to be? For Wolves or the Premier League? Premier League. Um... I hate to be biased. I'm saying Matinho. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that could be an answer. Who's going to win the Champions League? Uh, Juventus. No. Okay. And can I have the lottery win? The lottery numbers for Saturday. Yeah, you're on your own for that one. I need to myself. <laughs> Dan, cheers for coming on, mate. Hopefully we'll speak to you ahead of an FA Cup final in a few weeks. Nice one. That's Dan from the Wolves Fancast, an award-winning Wolverhampton Wanderers podcast. If you happen to be a Wolves fan, ex-Fowler in Manchester at the moment. So let's talk about VAR. We've already touched on it, the fact that it wasn't at the Man City game at the weekend versus Swansea. It was at the Manchester United game. It had an impact on both games, probably favourably and unfavourably from a Manchester point of view. But what do we think about VAR? We're now three quarters of the way through the season. We've seen it tested in certain examples and we've seen it work well, we've seen it not work well. Now, I'll let you go first on this one, Quinton, because we've not heard you view, your view on this before. How are you thinking that VAR is shaping up in the Premier League, or not in the Premier League, but in the... Yeah. In the Ab- bigger competitions. Absolutely brilliant against PSG. <laughs> <laughs> it was a penalty. It was a clear pen. When you turn your back and you mm. don't know what's going on. You in stick your hand out. It's, it's, it's a penalty. But no, <laughs> look, at the beginning when it came out, I said no. No chance because I'm, I'm not saying I'm old school, but I just want to... You know when a player scores a goal now and you celebrate? Yeah. they got to wait for the celebration. It's just mm. weird. Yeah. The fans are going to wait. Everyone's looking at... Um, what's going on? Football is about that moment, the passion... Staying in a moment, so I'm old school. Leave it the way it is, and that's what makes it. Uh, people talks about the, the game after a week, yeah. or months later. But yeah, no. Well, that's the whole point, isn't it? It's supposed to take out these moments where fans feel like they're being robbed. But mm-hmm. that's part of the game, isn't it? The part of the game is coming into work the next day and talking about the offside decision that shouldn't have been, or the it's, handball that wasn't, and all that kind of thing adds to the drama of the game. It just feels strange to be watching players now, they score a goal, they're like waiting, like, yeah. can, I, can I go? Can I? <laughs> and then everyone's like waiting, the fans are waiting. I'm like, no, 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 please, just leave it in the moment. So we're just going to all go crazy in the moment. And yeah, Dave, you've always been an advocate of VAR. And this weekend, we saw yet more farce around it. We talk about the incidents that just involved the Manchester games. The fact that City didn't have it at the Swansea game at all. And you Swansea would be in the semi-final. The fact that yep. you can have two games in the same competition at the same stage with essentially different rules is ridiculous. Oh, that, that's the problem. Like, if you're putting it across the quarter-finals, why are you not putting it every single quarter-final? Yep. I think the issue at the moment is the speed. The speed is but atrocious. But that's never going to be possible. To go back to that, that will never why? be possible. In the, in the FA Cup, you can't why? go, we're going to have VAR at every well, ground. Well, then, because the, you might be playing Burton Albion. Yeah, but they then the, the FA invest in Burton Albion's ground and they make VAR acceptable. You know, yeah. That's not going to happen. Yeah, but that's what needs to I agree. It should have a be, should be the same for every team involved. Like yeah, the rules exactly. and the and the, essentially, yeah, it, every team involved should be playing by the same set of rules. And because the, then imagine, for example, Burton played. You know, imagine the City Burton game was a lot closer, uh, and for whatever reason, like Burton felt hard done by by penalty. And they thought, do you know what? If that was at the Etihad and not at our ground, mm. we might have got a penalty for that. And basically, they've been hit for being a smaller club, essentially. And basically, they'll be saying we've been uh, hamstrung by decision there because we can't afford it, or because it's not been invested because we're not a lower league table. And I actually agree that that wouldn't be fair and I was if I was a Burton fan I'd be livid and if I was a Burton player I'd be livid so essentially I do agree if people are going to be involved in the competition it's either they're all in for it or they're all not in for it you know mm-hmm. one it has to be the same playing field for everyone isn't part of the beauty of football as a game though that all you need is 22 people 
and two sticks in the ground at either end. <laughs> Jumpers for golfers. Yeah, no, it's a little bit of that. And the fact that suddenly you're looking at a part of football that can't be replicated, and it doesn't matter where you draw the line, it has to be drawn somewhere. But it if might they get the speed right, the it's fine. The romantic side is still there. If it's quick, if it's not like 30 plus seconds, which at the moment we're seeing like four minutes, five yeah. minutes, the city for Shulker one decision. Yeah. Make the call. Yeah. It was a handball. Delow had a shot. It was handballed. Call's done. Why are you looking at that five or six times? Yeah. The Lindelof challenge from this weekend. Mm. Why are you looking at that five or six times? It wasn't aggressive. It wasn't over the top. It wasn't excessive force. Bang, let's move on. But and even, that's the problem. If you're a referee, you make a split session, se- second decision. Why is the VAR referee not doing the same thing? Just a competency thing in general. Because to me, I think it comes down to the idea that referees don't know how to use it. And I didn't think referees were good enough anyway. Because to me, it's like giving a toddler who can't put a square peg in a square hole, all of a sudden giving him an iPad. It's like, well, can you learn how to do that first? That's parenting <laughs> in 2019, <laughs> yeah. Stephen. But essentially, but they're not not ready for the, like, the iPad and these referees aren't ready for that because if they can't understand the technology and they're still making they don't know the rules aren't even clear either <laughs> like what are the rules is it a clear and obvious area kind of situation or are they meant to check every goal or are they meant to check every you know yeah. what are they meant to do like, I think if you include VR include the players as well maybe ex-players yeah. get involved because you've got people yeah, they've never touched the ball no yeah. disrespect to them they, I'm sure they're yeah, doing yeah, a fantastic job but get players involved you can see things maybe in a different way I think one of the interesting sides of VAR, we're actually seeing holes in the rules right now. Yeah. Like the whole handball thing, yeah. they need to clear that up. The offside thing, I think, is incredible. Like I saw, I was watching a game last night, I can't remember, it was a European game, one of the ones I was watching. I think the keeper gets sent off. It was the Marseille PSG game. Yeah. Keeper gets sent off, right? Yeah. And Di Maria has pa- tried to pass it to Mbappe, who comes from an offside dis- uh, position. Yeah. So he's playing second phase and he's offside and then the keeper gets... It's, it's, that again needs to be you know revisited same with the handball I think that's the thing that VAR is bringing up is that we actually need to go back and yeah. go back to square <laughs> one and be like well, wait because yeah, there's more focus on it I guess it's more kind of like grey areas are being opened up aren't they I guess so yeah, we probably do yeah. need to redefine in a post VAR world how these rules are implemented because it's going to get more and more confusing another thing as well this everything in slow motion thing I think it's in rugby where some decisions are played in full time and some in yeah, slow time I agree with that. just because it, every, anything in slow motion looks menacing yeah. I could just wave at you Jim in slow motion <laughs> You're like, is he trying to kill me? You know, like, anything looks dodgy as that motion. So, like, I don't know. I think there needs to be a, a massive reconsideration how they use it because it could mm. be a really good thing, but it's just so frustrating to watch at the moment. It shouldn't have been implicated, implemented until it was I mean I know you need a certain yeah, amount of test cases yeah, but problem, it yeah. just doesn't seem to have been fought through 0345 treble one seventy six twenty five. if you want to get involved Phil the Blues on the phone evening Phil evening Jim evening gentlemen evening Hi. what are your thoughts on VAR after the weekend then at the end of the day well, if that hadn't been at the game you probably wouldn't be through to the next round of the FA Cup <laughs> VAR needs a C and an E tagging onto the end of it for fast fast because that's what it is right it, Yes, we wouldn't be in the semi-finals of the FA Cup, but Swansea were hard done by, and I, and I agree, it should be all or nothing. But football has survived in its current format. I agree with Quentin. Football has survived in its current format for a hundred and odd years. Yeah, there'll always be arguments on the Monday morning about whether that was or that wasn't. But let's look at a couple of examples. The Lindelof challenge. Mike Dean, was it Mike Dean, I think, or Atkinson, saw it as a red card. But when you saw it from eight different angles, you could have had four saying it was a red and four saying it was a yellow. I am to think it was just a yellow, personally. It's not being implemented properly. All it's going to do 
is give argumentative footballers another tool with which to argue with the referee about. You're going to see players surrounding referees making imaginary TV squares, and it's just <laughs> going to—it's just going to go on and on and on. Another example: our game last week against Schalke. The first four goals went to VAR. <laughs> Stupid, wasn't That's- it, Phil? Well, six minutes, six minutes it took for the four, yet when they put the board up at half time it said two. Baffling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we lost four so we lost four minutes of the of the game. Yeah. The, the whole thing hasn't been fought through. It's an absolute farce. Leave it as it is. Goal line technology and marginal offsides, end off. The rest, leave it to the man in black. If it's an honest mistake, then it's an honest mistake. You move on. I think one of the things you're highlighting there, Phil, with the Lindelof thing and the calls about goal line technology and offside is your listing things there that are black and white. They're yes or no. You can yeah. tell instantly. The issues are coming when we're calling opinion into this and as you kind of point out that Lindelof uh, foul you watch it and most people would think it was a yellow card but you get a few people that think it was a red card and you'll just it's just another way to add an incorrect opinion into the scenario rather than just going with the instinct of the exactly Jim exactly it's about opinion and all you're doing is passing the opinion on to somebody else's opinion (laughs) (laughs) so where, where, where do you stop where do you stop? Just leave it as it is. Bring it in for the goal line. If, if, if goal line technology would be in for the 20-something World Cup, we'd have won it. <laughs> you know? But, well, maybe not, but you get the point. But, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I agree with Mr Fortune. I'm old school. Yeah, I'm 61 years of age. I've watched football since I was four. There was no VAR in the 60s, and there's no. we don't need it. It's going to kill the game. You mark my words. I think it will kill the game. You know, Jim, you've seen me on Twitter. Very vociferous <laughs> about it. Very passionate about it. It's going to kill the game. Phil, cheers for coming on. Really appreciate it, mate. Thanks for coming on. I'm with Phil. I think it's not right at the moment. It's not working, and something needs to be done. At the same time, I don't care. I don't care if referees get stuff wrong. I don't. But it was the Lino that time. The Lino flag for the the referees get stuff wrong. It's part of the game. And it was wrong. It was incorrect. Game. It's human error. It was an incorrect decision. Look, if you're going to take human error, if you're going to take human error out the game then you're talking about all human error. So yeah. eventually you'll go down a robot. I mean, this takes it to the extreme where you'll have robots. Yeah, but the robots would be the best refs because I never think we'd be right. But what about the play? I mean, it's, it's part yeah. of the game and it is bring, a game and we need those, to remember you know, that. Why would we just automate awesome games? Goal, those two officials. Oh, oh the, 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 bring, the fifth. What were they about? Bring them back. Bring those guys back in every game. Just stand there and look at it. They just stand there, don't they? They advise. They'd never give a decision ever, did they, those guys? I love them. Very strange. <laughs> right, we're going to move on. We're going to talk to Quentin about his work with the Quentin Fortune Foundation in a minute. Plus, he's going to answer some of your questions. If you want to get a question in, there is still time. 87711 on the text, or you can still give us a bell. 03451 And we'll do that next on the Manchester Football Social. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. This is the Manchester Football Social, here till 7 o'clock, then back to the music on XS Manchester. And we've got Quinton Fortune in the studio with us alongside Steve McInerney and Statman Dave as well. We asked you to get your questions into Quinton, we'll do them in a minute. But first, you're here to talk us a little bit through what's going on at the Quinton Fortune Academy. 
Well, um, thank Which you. Which is asking. an awesome thing, by the way, to have some, an academy with your own name attached to it. <laughs> well, was very... well done there. <laughs> well, let me, before I start, I just want to, Sarah sitting here, and the first thing she said to me, no mention my name. Sarah, I've got a, I've, I'm very grateful. I've got an amazing team behind me. So Sarah Collins is there. She said, no, I don't mention you. No. Well, you can mention. <laughs> so the, the, the academy is uh, something that I wanted to do since I was a kid. Um, you know, uh, I started the club back a couple of years ago called the FC Fortune when I was playing at United. And basically the idea was to, to, to coach young players and give them opportunity. Um, now, a couple of few years later, when I was based in Manchester, I thought, um, met the right people, set up the academy again, and um, the coaching is from uh, age six to thirteen years old. So we're co- coaching kids all over Manchester, South and uh, North and South Manchester, or Greater Manchester. And at the same time, we're just not coaching kids; we're coaching coaches as well. So we go into communities and mm. see where we can help out with uh, with coaches, and um, yeah, just individual training. So at times, probably when we go into a approach team, they think we're going to pinch their players. We just know we want to make them better. <laughs> What um, I loved reading through the blurb and what you do and everything was that bit about coaching coaches and the yeah. idea that there's so many people. I mean, I've got a five-year-old lad at the moment, so yeah. he's just starting to get into football. And I think I've got these visions of me standing on the touchlines in a sheepskin coat, directing <laughs> everyone, telling them what to do. And, but I know nothing about that stuff. So the idea that you can have someone like yourself and your team upskilling dads and school coaches into a much better level of... It's, it's just only going to help youth football, isn't it? Exactly. Well, I, I can speak from because that's where I came from um, uh, someone saw me playing in South Africa and, and I had a really good coach Mr. Latran and he he had obviously his coaching badges and I got the right training uh, from early doors and uh, uh, I had to be professional and all that stuff and especially in the environment I came mm-hmm. from just the values you implanted me so it's not just about coaching it's make sure we, we plant positive seeds in him as well at the same time and um, Sarah's looking at me and she's probably thinking all sorts of things. I need to mention where if people want to get, get in touch with us, go to the quintonfortuneacademy.co.uk. And um, so, yeah, if you want to get in touch, uh, we, we, we just want to help. We want to get young kids better. And uh, um, I'm lucky enough now in a couple of weeks time, we've got some kids from South Africa coming over and uh, I'm excited about that. But the dream is one day to go back home and set up my academy back home in Cape Town and well, all over South Africa. Brilliant. Good luck with that. I hope it all goes well. And thank you very much for coming in to talk to us. We've asked some questions from our listeners asking you some que- some bits and bobbers about your time at Manchester United and your career and everything you got up to. One of my favourites came from a guy called John Walker, who it's not so much a question, but he wants you to know that your name is part of his Manchester rhyming slang. So that instead of Cockney rhyming <laughs> slang, he's got Manchester what? rhyming slang. He says he uses the phrase with his mates, Spenter Quinton. <laughs> when they spent a lot of money on the night out <laughs> to spend a fortune which I thought was brilliant so I had to share that with you I am honoured I'm honoured <laughs> let me get a work through some of these questions that we've got here as well Craig in Ashton has got in touch he says was Roy Keane really as terrifying as his reputation led on and did you ever have a personal run-in with him <laughs> when you were at United First of all, is, is Roy Keane listening? <laughs> Surprise! You, you never know, you never know. Have you guys got security here? <laughs> yeah, you're safe, no, you're safe. Look, here. we've all had some run-ins with Keane, but it was all about winning. He wanted to win. Mm. I've never met a person so competitive and a leader, an absolute warrior. And, and I was very fortunate and honoured to play alongside Keane. And, and I tell you now, training was like, so intense you guys would not believe it on a on a Saturday afternoon no disrespect to all the teams we played back then but on a Saturday afternoon felt a little bit easier <laughs> no really because the whole week was so intense and if you played in Roy's team 
and you lost the game, oh my goodness. Even on the little five-a-side <laughs> games? Even on the little five-a-side. Wow. You would not be speaking to you for two or three days. <laughs> no, really, you, you would get it. Imagine the pressure on his kids. Imagine. <laughs> you would get it every single day until you win a game. Do you look at modern football teams? Because that kind of character doesn't exist very much anymore. Particularly, I mean, you look at United and there isn't a Roy Keane character there. And people have said for a while, that's what they need. Do yeah. you think that every team needs one of those drivers in the middle? It would be nice, but he's, he's just a special individual. Um, when you look at... Well, I remember games, we just said <laughs> before a game and... Roy used to look at everyone, just make the eye contact. And you weren't sure, so I look at him, so I just, is he, is he still staring at me? <laughs> but he just wanted to make sure you're there with him. And you remember, yeah. I remember the incident with him and uh, Patrick Vieira. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the Harvey and the Tunnel. Yeah, iconic. That what it was like every single game before. Wow. And just, it was great because you walk down the tunnel, and honestly, you can look at your opponent, and you know the game is won already, just by the body language. And that's what Keeney created. And it was, honestly. It is a dying breed, isn't it? Atmosphere yeah. at, at, at the training at that time was just ridiculous. Let me ask you this one from Golski on Twitter. He says, what gave you the greatest pride as a player? Was it playing for Manchester United or was it representing South Africa at the World Cup? Wow, great question. Well, playing for Manchester United is beyond I could ever imagine. It's just ridiculous. It's like PlayStation playing one moment, <laughs> next moment is real and you're on the pitch with the players. But representing my country was just, oh my goodness. Uh, France 98, my first World Cup. This is that's the, that's the highest point mm. because you, I watched, uh, eight years before I was, I was in South Africa watching uh, the opening game um, in San Siro. Well, I was back home in Italy 1990. I was watching Cameroon against Argentina and I was sitting there and imagining as a kid what would it be like to play in the World Cup. Imagine eight years later you're playing in the World Cup. It's just, it's crazy. It's just madness. So yeah. Must be dreams come true. Beyond dreams. Stuff that. Beyond dreams. You played against France, didn't you? That's where you are. Oh, how were they? How was they playing against the, that infamous team in general? They were not bad. They had a few. <laughs> <laughs> they were all right, weren't they? Sidan. What do they call him? Zizou? Oh, I've never heard of him. <laughs> Who were you marking in that game? Zizou. That was, oh, that was, your, that was your job. He was quiet. No, not really quiet. <laughs> don't, don't, anyone, don't go and watch the game. <laughs> Got a question here from Tommy in Bolton. You're an old stomping ground up in Bolton. Yep. Um, he says, do you feel, he says, do you feel cheated? I'm going to change the words. Do you feel any regret about the whittle, wh- the winner's medals that you didn't get? Because obviously you were yeah. at United. There were four titles yep. that you won in your time at United. Yep. You got one medal. I got one that. league medal, yep. Do you, I mean, that, that of must course, sting I mean, a little of bit. Of course, yeah, it hurts because I wanted to be... Well, it, the rules were like you had to play 10 games and and, and I played like... Well, no, 11 games or 10 something and I probably mm. played 9 or something. But I think the first season, I, I would accept that because I just arrived and things were going so well and, I mean, you got all this amazing place and then doing well. So I wanted kind of to earn my right to, to have a medal. Of course, yeah. And that's kind of what the boss made me kind of go through. Like you don't just walk into a team and all of a sudden you just pick up medals. Because I just when I arrived from Atletico Madrid, I went straight with the team to Tokyo and we won the World Club Championship and I won a medal. And I'm thinking, and I was there and I'm thinking, I feel a little bit embarrassed, <laughs> but I'm grateful. But I'm like I've not done anything, so to earn my first league medal was like, wow, I had to work for this. Mm. So the others, yes, of course it hurts because I want I was part of the team and I played my little tiny winning part. <laughs> But I'm glad that I earned my right to do to, to, to. Did you get one? Because there was some debate I was reading that you whether you got one medal or two medals. Someone said yeah. that you had special dispensation 2002 season where you got a yeah. medal off the back of that anyway. Yeah. 
And that was, was that presented to you because someone that was another, presented another story before, I read game, that, before okay. one of the games. Um, okay. And yeah, I was surprised myself because I was, just, <laughs> I was you know, you're just ready and you just so focused on the game and and the last thing you want is people calling you over and doing a presentation on the pitch because you just want to yeah start the game and do your work and win the game. And I got the presentation, got my medal. I'm like, wow, great. <laughs> yes, no. I'm hoping you're going to agree to stick around for a couple of minutes after the show just sure. so we'll do a couple of more of these questions in the podcast I've got one more question that's a really important one I need to get in before we go and it came in from James he says who do you want to win the league between Liverpool oh, and wow. City if you can pick one do who is I it going to be you don't need to answer this Quinton um, <laughs> between Liverpool and City of course City well said. And that's a good point. Quinton's a blue. Quinton Fortune. Next, next year. <laughs> next year. <laughs> year. Uh, Quinton, thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate your time today. Steve, thank you as always. Cheers, Jim. Dave, thank you Cheers. as always. Don't forget, we'll do a little bit more of this with Quinton Fortune in the podcast. You can get that by searching Manchester Football Social. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll be able to download this show and all the other ones, including our EFL show that looks at all the other teams in Manchester that aren't just City and United. And it is City's turn tomorrow. It will be the Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising from 6 o'clock on XS Manchester. Thank you very much for listening. A little bit of bonus content for you because Quinton is still here. We're going to ask a, answer a couple more of your questions. The one thing I was wondering, Quinton, a question from me, because it's I get to pick <laughs> It's my show. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. I like. Do you still play at all? Do you still Have you ever taken part in any of those Soccer 6 tournaments? Do you still have a kickabout every now and again? Yeah. Which is ter- no, it's terrible. I've I've played a few games, and uh, my my problem is I take it too serious. So no, really, honestly, I have to I have to stop. Cause is that the curse of the professional footballer? You can never quite. Let I don't. It go. I don't. I think it's just me. <laughs> okay. um, it's I've, good I have real. I have real issues. No, really, I need to see someone about it because. <laughs> I could, and then from that, so I decided to do marathons. The last couple of years, I decided oh, nice. to do marathons and kind of get whatever frustration I have inside <laughs> me. But no, I, 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 we play once. We got the game coming up. Uh, the, the Legends one. The Legends one. Mm. End of the season. Mm. The, you know, celebrating the twenty year of the treble. So they've asked me to be oh, involved for that. Brilliant. I wasn't involved, but they asked me to be part of that so I'll just be walking around the change and like wow seeing all the boys again and what was it like walking into that team because you came the season after yeah. the treble so I suppose players coming to Manchester City potentially <laughs> yeah. might be in a similar situation next no. season where they're coming into no. a team that's just no, really totally different, I don't know why you be talk, a quadruple no. <laughs> <laughs> but what's it first like? of all that ain't gonna happen so carry on with your question <laughs> <laughs> but what's it like walking into a team that has had that level of success and you've been yeah. brought in to make that team better that's pressure I wasn't sure I was brought in to break the team. Better. I wouldn't go that far. I, I wouldn't put myself up there. But look, I was just, I was like a little kid because a few years ago when I was at Tottenham as a kid, as a schoolboy, I had my, all my favourite players. My favourite player with the middle was Pelé, I had Maradona, I had Ruth Hullet, all these amazing players. And I had Keeney, I had Scholes, well, Giggsy at that time, uh, Paul Ince, and all these unbelievable players, Dellin Atkinson, uh, Barnsley, and just unbelievable players. So Mark Hughes and... and to end up years later to playing with those players. It's a dream, isn't it? It's just, mm. it's like you guys, if you have your, your, your favourite City players and you manage to get on the pitch with them. So <sighs> for me, it was walking the change room and I had to calm myself for the first couple of weeks because I was like, just like staring at people <laughs> in a really <laughs> weird way. And I was like, is this kid okay? But when I calmed down, I had like, because we were still at the old training ground, the cliff. Yeah. So for me coming from Atletico Madrid to the cliff was a little bit of a shock because I'm thinking Manchester United, treble winning team. Oh yeah, it's one training ground, one training pitch. Mm. But it was absolutely brilliant because it just showed you this team has won everything, 
and it's that one little training ground. Oh, it was brilliant. That works quite well on the question we've had from Danny in Stockport, who says, who was the best player you've ever played with? You've just listed some incredible names. Oh, best player I've ever played with. So I have to put Scolzi probably up there. The reason I put Scolzi up there because it was just, Scolzi's ridiculous. And when I, you know, when I hear people compare Scolzi to Steven Jarrett, which is a fantastic player, and Frank Lampard, I'm just like, mm. Scratch my head and I'm thinking, how is this possible? Because Kolsi was just beyond anything I've ever seen. Vision. Uh, I remember playing the game once. And this is the honest truth. <laughs> I'm in a game and I did a pass and he says, Kolsi called me and says, Quinny. And, uh, I looked over. He says, yeah, it was Kolsi. And he says, you see that pass you made? I said, yeah, yeah. I saw two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> so he was he was so ahead and it was yeah. a joy playing with him. It was an absolute joy. You talk about pinging the ball. 60, 70 yards, he could do that, go, scoring goals. Just a genius. The bosses mm. call him a genius. What about who the best player you've ever played against? Was Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Oh, Ronaldo. No. Oh, the actual Ronaldo, the real one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Let me break it down for my you. My favourite player. I've been having arguments the last couple of days with uh, a few of the ex-players in my group, like like Rio, uh, um, Patrice Evra, <laughs> Fabio, Ashley <sighs> Young. We've all been having this argument about, you know, Anderson and all this... If I'm forgetting any place, I apologize. So we've been arguing <laughs> about who's the greatest. And I said to them, Ronaldo from Brazil <sighs> is better than Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, name, name, Monica, Zidane. Zidane, Mbappe, throw everyone in. Neymar. Imagine, Neymar. imagine Ronaldo bursting through today. Imagine this, what he, a 19 year old Ronaldo arriving today. You know, all these world record fees, they'd be blown out of the water. It's unbelievable. Yeah. The, the best thing I've ever seen. He had everything. I mean, Messi's amazing. I love Messi. Mm. Messi's out of this planet. But Ronaldo, the oh injuries. my goodness. If you talk about speed, skill, uh, awareness, because sometimes you get players that are quick, mm. but they don't have, don't have an awareness when to run. He could do it all. And then if he wanted to slow you down and beat you, he could do all that. So Ronaldo abused me on my debut. <laughs> <laughs> so if he's listening, you know, just let me know. No, because I, I made my debut for the Madrid. And uh, it was at the old stadium of Vicente Calderon, and um, my old manager at that time was Radmi Antic, and he uh, <laughs> he put me on. It was the second half, and he already scored a hat trick. <laughs> Whatever, but just in case you go and Google it, I was on. He already scored a hat trick. This is after I came on. <laughs> right, okay, you stopped him. That was it. No more goals after that. Thank you very much. There you go. <laughs> right. So you... the manager says to me, Quinton, what are you going on? I want you to mark Ronaldo." Talk about entering, you know, starting my yeah, career and finishing at the fire. same time. Yeah, <laughs> so, I'd yeah, run sorry. down the touchline to warm up and straight down the tunnel. <laughs> See you later. I pulled the hammy, standing still. <laughs> <laughs> right before you go, we will let you go in a minute. Um, I just need to ask you about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, mm-hmm. the manager at Manchester United. Obviously, it's been an incredible start for him. You mm-hmm. know him. You played with him. You mentioned Paul Scholes a minute ago, and. There's a man who's had a very different start to his managerial career. Yeah. 31 days he's lasted at Oldham before walking out saying he can't build the project that he wants to build. When you looked at the players on the pitch at your time at United and a fair few of them have gone on to managerial positions, could you tell who was going to make that step up at that early stage? Could you tell who was going to be the gaffer one day? Well, Keane was almost the gaffer <laughs> <laughs> when he was playing almost. So you kind of, it, it was at times when, you know, the boss come in from halftime, you come in and before the boss comes in, Keeney had a word with all of us. Right. And, we're like, <laughs> and then the boss comes in, like, no. so you could already see it in Keeney. Mm. But the rest, because we're so focused in doing a job, you, you didn't really think Scholes, you never thought Scholes, because Scholes was very quiet. So Scholes just came to play, did his football and he went home. That was Scholes. 
but when I, I was doing my badges now the last couple of years and my A license with skulls and I could see this is brilliant can you imagine having a manager that can demonstrate what he wants you to do yeah. this is, I want you to ping the ball over here but isn't the difficulty then that the players that it, I mean he was coaching older yeah. and where the players might not it's, be able to ping the ball over there it must be hard for him but I don't think Scolzi would have gone into a job that he know he wouldn't able to do something so mm. I, I, from knowing Scolzi I can't just see Scolzi walking away from something so something must have gone on behind closed doors there and, and, and that's not fitting in with his style of play and the way Scolzi is because he, he's a winner he wants to go into places and change things and, and help those players so um, I hope he does try again because I can you imagine the amount of knowledge Skulls has gotten? He managed, he can give to those players, so that would be brilliant. Do you think it's similar to uh, Zizou at Real Madrid, where yeah. he had to go into this group of players that yeah. were bad with previous managers, and then instantly has the respect because he is Zizou or Paul Skulls? So you think yeah. it'd suit maybe a, a job higher up, maybe or something like that? Probably because the, the players will, he will probably understand where where he's coming from, mm. and he can probably speak to a player that at, the, at the, that level. Where it's probably difficult there, but I think he's got a, he had a good assistant manager with him, Mick. Uh, I'm trying to make the name now, but he had a good assistant manager. But still, when you go that level so low, it's hard because he's not used to that environment. Yeah, he's different. used to Champions League, he's used to winning the league, so he needs to deal with that kind of players. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's why he's done it so well. Yeah. And what about Solskjaer? What kind of manager do you think he is in that camp? And is he now the man who can be the next, the, the replacement for Fergie that United have been yep. wanting for? Well, since Fergie <laughs> left, essentially, is he the man that can be there for five years for and build a dynasty in his name? Yeah. Um, I was there last week, so I went to see Ole and, and uh, Mick and Mike and Kieran. and Just the place is just is brilliant. And it feels like when the boss was still there. When I say the boss, I mean Sir Alex. Mm. Uh, the environment, when you walk into the Aeon Training Centre now, you, the reception, you, everyone has got like a positive energy. Whereas a couple of months ago... and. Don't know what it was, but it was just everyone was so negative. And you can see the the, the expressions in the players' faces when they went onto the pitch and how they were played. Always changed that. Yes, of course, we had two bad results, but that's going to happen in football. Uh, the boss, when you look at the uh, at the beginning of his career, things didn't go smooth. But you need to give Ole time. He's got the right mentality. Understands the culture of the club. The players respect him. He's got the experience behind him. And he definitely will bring United success. So I'm all for Ole. Uh, I know because I play with it. It's easy for me to say because I play with him. But from seeing the players and the reaction from when Ole's arrived to compare to a few weeks ago, it's unbelievable. The place is just uh, uh, you go, you see the people at the, at the Old Trafford Stadium, Aeon Training Centre. Is fans coming to the games now? There's the believe again. Whereas a few weeks ago, it would have been like no chance. I'd love to think that in 20 years' time, Marcus Rashford is on a radio show talking about his ex-gaffer and still calling Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the boss. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be incredible. That would be a, that would be a dynasty to leave behind. <laughs> Quinton, it's been lovely to meet you. Thanks for coming in. Pleasure My to pleasure. talk to you. Thank, thank you, you very much for coming in. Thank you again, Dave. Thank you very much, Cheers. Steve. Those yes, boys will be back next week. And make sure you have subscribed to this podcast. You get all our shows through the week. That's it from the Manchester Football Social. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.